We would like to give special thanks to our daddy's favourite level patrons, William M, Ochno, Adam F, Brian C and Harry Hypnotist, your daddy's favourites. Hello and welcome to the Kinky Boys podcast. This podcast contains strong language and scenes of an explicit sexual nature from the very start. Are you ready? Good. Then we'll begin. This episode of the Kinky Boys podcast is sponsored by Drill Square, the online military fetish learning platform that's helped millions to discover their passion and take the next step in their submissive journeys. They have tons of classes on everything from how to get tied to a chair and be shaved like the no identity, no personality drone you are, to being beasted in PT till you scream for mercy through tear-filled eyes as you puke. Drill Square has a course for everyone, no matter what your interest. If you're not interested, you will be after your free kidnapping, conscription, and imprisonment package. My sub learned how to clean boots and get his face trampled the right way by using Drill Square. So what are you waiting for? There's PT at 6am, drill at 8, your canteens will be full of stale piss, and you'll be eating out of dog bowls within the week. Be sure to check out the referral link in the show notes. Go to patreon.com slash kickyboyspod and claim that free kidnapping, conscription, and imprisonment package courtesy of Drill Square. It's thanks to them we can provide content to you guys as often as we do. So thank you, Drill Square, for sponsoring this podcast and all of BDSM. Terms and conditions apply. Free trial might not be ended at any point. Those in prison may be used as target practice, training aids for hoodie dogs or holes for board officers. Kekron.com slash KinkyBoysPod bears no responsibility for dangerous kinks acquired or entrenched by this offer. Hello and welcome again to the Kinky Boys podcast. I'm Craig and today Buster and I will be interviewing Pup Snap about kink photography. Hello, Snap. Hello there. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm very glad to have you on. It's really good to be here. We've been meaning to do this interview for a while. So why don't we start off? Why don't you tell the audience at home? Talk about your experience on the kink scene. Yeah, sure. So obviously, I've not actually always been known as Pub Snap. That's a recent, more I say, it's been like five years now. But it was a name that I took about, I'd say, halfway through my kink journey. So I studied my kink journey back on, oh, what was the site? I'm going to try to remember. It was back in Bristol. So we're talking about 10 years ago. And I was obviously interested in the BDSM scene, went around searching on the internet, trying to find places to go. And I went to the Deviant Club in Bristol. And that was my first time going to a kink event. I got tied up. I remember that. Nice. And, uh, I tried on a very crude leather dog hood. They don't make them like that anymore. It looked like a box. I think I know exactly the, the design you mean. Uh, the old Mr. B one. Probably something like that. Yeah, it's like a really old, like the muzzle looks like a square shaped with the zip down the middle, down the mouth. But as I say, it was about 10 to 12 years ago we're talking here, (laughs) some some time ago. Back when the black rubber dog hoods ruled the world and everyone looked the same. (laughs) Hot! Before people started saying that, yeah, you can't wear red. Red is my colour. Yes, before the cust- the great customization boom, which I'm sure we'll go into, and the yes. personality switch. But yeah, I was exploring in that scene. I got, as I like to say, classically trained in the sense of I would go to someone and they would give me the standard puppy commands like roll over, sit, beg, give paw, 
all that sort of thing. So I Take avoid, poor. Exactly. Wait until you are allowed to eat your food from the bowl, etc. Got that classic, as I like to call it, the classic uh, house dog training experience. So you're an old guard puppy. To a degree, <laughs> I would say I've evolved with the times, but because I've never stopped exploring, I think that's the thing for me. Is uh, for me, kink is an on, ongoing experience that uh, never ends. And I'm very much of the same philosophy. Then I was, I think I had, I can't even remember what my first pup name was. A lot of the time, people just called me a dog. But then I got a name from an owner which was known as Hoover for a while. I'm sure you can guess why. I'm a very orally minded dog. And then and then when I got my last owner, I decided to change the name because I didn't want to associate with my previous owner. And oh. but also I was building my own person, putting more of my own personality into things. It's weird because I tried to, for those first five years, not do photography and kink. I was trying to just go to events and be kinky and have fun and not burden myself with photography because obviously photography is my life it is my day job it is my profession and there were times when I was like I just want to go out for the night and not have to drag the fucking camera with me but eventually it got to the passion is always going to be there and so eventually I was like embrace who I am I am a photographer dog just call yourself snap I find that really interesting so much of professional life as a gay man is being able to find out how to be authentically ourselves and explore that in all the different facets of life. Like I find at work, I'm like more and more aggressively queer as I'm suggesting services for men involved in fisting. <laughs> oh, we're going to develop pelvic services for men who are into fisting. And it's just, and what? Come at me. And yeah, being able to like bring our passions to the kink scene and being able to bring our identity our whole selves to work is just yeah. like a wonderful thing to go through as an adult yeah i think it's also that recognition of going i have a service i can provide to the community that you feel you can give something back and at first i just did it for fun it was a way of also being an icebreaker for me i am an introverted i'm an introverted puppy and so the photography has always been a good way to break the ice with people. And also you try, you want to stand out to people. You want to be different. You don't want to just be another generic dog. No offense to all the wonderful doggos out there, obviously. But, but, but no, it's that, it's just, it was that feeling of how do I make myself stand out in a different way? And what can I do? Because yeah, I, I do it for a living. It's my profession. I didn't I wasn't intending for it to be. I was originally wanting to be a filmmaker, but but photography came just paid the bills and people kept hiring me and then I got a, a kind of more long-term gig with a major organization and was working with them full-time for several years until the pandemic came along and threw that into a a bit bit of a spiral. Obviously, I won't say who the organization is, but what I will say is you have probably seen Pup Snaps work out and about in your everyday life. Yes, I always say to people, my work has been seen by millions of people and you just don't know it. And that is the trials of being a creative in today's world. The only people that can get your work in front of millions of people are the people that won't credit you for it. <laughs> it well, that's unfortunately, that's unfortunately life. we go down a rabbit hole of the way copyright and photography law works because when you're being commissioned by a third party, you they have the right to not credit you because you're working on their behalf and so they own the credit. Yes. But that's a whole other kettle yeah. of fish and another rabbit hole but we can go down. 
mm-hmm. end capitalism, smash the state. Yep. I see what? we've got 10 minutes in and we've already got to politics, a record for us. <laughs> so yes, so we have some listener questions I put out on our socials if anyone would like to ask you any questions about your profession. And we got two big write-ins. So the first is from Banjo, who is one of our wonderful Patreon supporters. He has asked, what advice would you have to someone new to being in front of the camera? Do you always have to help get them comfortable, etc.? So I'm guessing in his case, he's probably someone who's not always used to going to a photo shoot or dressing up and actually camera. Sorry, the fact that you said that about Banjo, whereas <laughs> anyone who knows him or follows his feed knows it's rather the opposite for him. Total attention, whore! <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Banjo. Yeah, so I can come with this with two directions. Obviously, there's the kinky angle. So obviously, what I always do when I'm doing photo shoots is often... I'm trying to encourage the subject to come to me. There are times when I've approached people being like, hey, I would really like to work with you. But I, it's, up, it's up to them to decide if and when they want mm-hmm. to do it. So I don't pressure people into doing it. Obviously, if I run into someone at an event, it's a bit different. I might grab them for a couple of pictures and then run off. But often at events, it's a completely different. Yeah, people are often at events to be on display, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So I think... What Banjo is referring to here is more the kind of traditional, let's go to a photo studio or set up a or, or do a photo shoot. In that regard, for someone who's new, I would say be open with your photographer. Discuss with them what it is you want to get out of the photos. Why do you want those pictures? Are they for profiles? Are they are you wanting them for a recall stuff? Are you looking to just have them as something for your own personal validation because sometimes that's a big thing now is i've had a wonderful amount of experience of working with kinksters who haven't always had professional photography done of them and then they come away from those pictures and they go you know what you made me look really sexy or i really like the way that the gear looks on me and and that's one of the things that for me is a a massive reason for doing this is you feel like you're giving people validation to be themselves in regards to getting them comfortable my personal way is again you let them lead in the sense of what do they want to get out of the shoot? Is there anything in particular they want to wear? And if so, I don't stop them. So if I've had people come to me and say, I want to wear, do stuff in full rubber, or I've had other people being like, oh, I have, there was a very particular shoot where it's like, there's this very colorful like rain gear and those sorts of very colorful waterproof rain gear. Oh, and so like they, the bright yellow fisherman. Yeah, that, that sort of outfits. And so we oh, did a shoot with a bunch. We had a did bunch of shoots with that kind of gear one session. But that's the thing for me. Is it's about what do because that was again that was something for them that they were like not many people have this gear and I'm really proud of it and I want to show it off. And I'm like, great, do so. I'm not judging. I don't kink shame at all when it comes to my shoots. Anyone can come as long as it's not going to make a mess on the in the studio that I'm hiring and Aww. cause me. Yes, you got to behave. <laughs> as long as it's something that is is going to be not a pain for me to have to clean up afterwards, I have no problem with it. I think and, you raised a really important point there. That actually, like the most important thing is there's so much kink is to know thyself, know who you are, know how you want to see yourself how you do see yourself how you want to see yourself how other people see you how you want other Mm -hmm. people to see you who am i being in the world right now and who do i want to be in the world because the photo shoot can create a level of 
like sexy alternate reality where you can be what you want to be. You can, we see the most amazing like suspension photos and it's just, that's only hot in a photo. <laughs> when you've been up there for more than three and a half minutes, it stopped yeah. working. So like the, yeah, I want to fly. I want to be completely helpless. Great. Let's do something utterly like, unreality so that almost like whenever we look at a photo we re-imagine what that was like like being in that position yeah. and every time we look at the, the photos constructed in such a way that it's like very arousing it's we rewrite that vision in our head almost from the clinical okay you need to hold this position and we get the lighting set up and we'll spend 47 minutes setting up the lighting and then we need to get 200 different angles of this and then pick the right one and then fucking hours in light box and all of that just gets removed and what we have is the distilled imagination and like the collaboration of the person being photographed and the photographer. Yeah. I was going to say collaboration for me is always the big point. There have been people who come to me sometimes who are like, I don't know what I want, but I want to work with you. And that's not a problem. And I will find something that I can do with them, whether it's just to, as I say, like them nicely, make them look good. And there might be sometimes suggestions where I go, I really like this gear that you have. Can you bring this? Partly because I think <laughs> exactly. it looks good. Yeah, sometimes there'll be times where I'm like, no, I just think you look really sexy in it. And there's other times where I just think it, sometimes some gear just looks visually appealing on camera. Rubber is always great, especially when it's shined. You, if you put the light in the right place, it just sparkles and it just looks fabulous. There's certain leather, especially now that we're seeing leather with some of the colorful trims or you've got some of these amazing intricate works being made by groups like Fetish Daddy, you just really want to let it sing in a sense and the same with some of the pups who have like myself who have custom hoods or special harnesses with names or something you just want to because some some of this gear sometimes barely gets seen like sometimes people i think buster we did this with yourself once at fetish week some of this gear will barely ever be seen in public again and you want <laughs> people to bring their absolute god tier best to the stage in a sense that some of that stuff was so much fun, like some of the stuff that came out of those shoots during Fetish Week a couple of years ago. Um, I think yeah, what was really like important... The level, like the alien outfit and the psychopathic killer gas mask, anal hook as a weapon. And on, on that point, like my... Whenever I start and go to a photo shoot, I'm like, okay, who am I in the kink scene? I am ridiculous i am like bringing ridiculous and absurd like so much of what we do is absurd right i fucked toko yesterday wearing nothing but boots cock ring a cap and a pair of sunglasses inside and it was just like this is absurd what the fuck am i doing i'm wearing a muir cap and aviators otherwise bollock naked and a pair of boots mm. and it's just like, this is absurd but it's an experience to have and it's fun and it's like providing, like if I start taking myself seriously, please put a bullet in my head. But <laughs> other than that, it's like we can do so much with like when our self-expression and our, like our sexual fantasy are aligned in the right place at the right time. 
Yeah, I would take Tuco as a great example of Banjo's question as well. Again, you were there at that shoot. And that's one of the answers I would say is bring a partner or bring someone with you if you wish. Because in the case of Tuco, he was nervous about having some of the photographs taken. But what we did with him in his case was we had yourself, Buster, put him into a submissive headspace and almost focus less on the camera, but more on you in a kind of scene. And that allowed me as a photographer to then just work on getting natural shots of the two of you as a dom-sub relationship. And for me, that's another big point of my photography is I don't shoot porn in the sense of I don't acting. All the photographs I do of dominance and submission is real. They're real relationships. They're real masters and slaves or pups and handlers in real relationships i don't just take two random people smash them together and say pretend you're this all the photos all the photos i do of kink for me and this is the big thing i will probably keep on doing is i like it to be 100 percent authentic if that is a sir holding a pup by his leash i try to make it be if that pup has an owner has an owner that that is who's in the picture there's occasional times when you have to do marketing photo shoots and stuff and we have to like mix and match a bit but generally when i'm doing personal photo shoots for people i want it to be genuine real bdsm and not a couple of hot porn models that have been hired to just act out something on camera that can be fun but for me i think there's something like again Tuco, as I'm sure Buster, loves those photos because there's genuine submission. There's genuine something genuine in those pictures, which also comes across in the image. There are, I have had people come to me and say, oh, I love this picture or I love that picture you took of such and such. But people, I think, can t- love them because they can tell there's an honesty, there's an authenticity in that that you mm. can't get from acting. Yeah, and yeah, it really shines out. Yeah, those pictures for for the listeners who haven't seen them, this is a photo shoot I did with Toko. And so we had Toko just resting his head on my leg. And granted, he was, it, I was wearing leather trousers. So of course he wanted to put his face in, in, in the leather thigh. Mm-hmm. But then uh, that kind of evolved into this really intricate, like boot black scene that we got some great pictures of and some boot licking stuff. And it's oh, actually things got pretty hot and steamy in the studio because there was that electricity and you had that electricity in the air. And then, of course, the ridiculous came out. Yeah, there's a lovely picture of me re- me reading The Times while using him as a boot store. But those things came out of yeah the collaboration of not just you me and toko but everyone else in that room who was there for the photo shoot who ran out to find a copy of <laughs> to find a copy of a broadsheet newspaper and who put kind of uh, were egging us on and ticking all the boxes for the exhibitionists in us both and just like really pushing everything to create this really hot this really hot atmosphere in the room where it's like when you've got that atmosphere of attention and support from your community and like sexual energy 
Like there's just so much power there that really comes yeah. across on, on camera. And some of the photos from that day are like, we're trying to achieve something, which is here, we'll get the trans pride flag going and we must show that leather men support our trans allies. And then there's, we're going to make something awesome. Yeah. yeah, for me, that was a really fun shoot because there was a kind of a constant turnstool almost of people coming and going that day. There was almost a bit of a party vibe going on. And it was it was one of the most fun shoots I've done because everyone was just there to have a good time. And it was a really relaxed atmosphere. And I think because, as you say, everyone was there to have fun. People were encouraging each other and bouncing ideas off one another and seeing somebody do something and being like, hey, I want to try that now. And just having letting people have permission to be themselves and to, to just, you know, that's one of the reasons I like doing studio shoots is we can close the door, close the curtains. It's just mm -hmm. you, me and the camera. And you have complete freedom to do whatever you want without judgment. And I think that's so important. And to bring it around to, again, that sort of, banjo's question of how to encourage like just having a photographer willing to work with you and show interest in what you want and an idea what they want to do with you really brings you out of your shell like i speak from experience when i did a shoot for the bear hotel project <laughs> you can find them by searching for like bear hotel and they were taking pictures of all these different bodied guys and at the time i was at my fattest and my confidence was suffering at the time because of it. So to have like a photographer go, okay, strip naked. And we we're going to photo fo take photos of your body because I feel I can make you beautiful. Not make me beautiful, but show the beauty. In just seven days. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's very important. And again, something that I'm learning more and more is something I can bring it mm. It can be tricky for me sometimes because I know that some people can be incredibly self-conscious about their image. And it there have been times when I've done photo shoots with people and then I've looked at the pictures sometimes with them afterwards and they'll be like, oh, I don't know about that one. Or I don't like my eye in that one, how my eye looks or something about this. And that's fine. And I will definitely take that feedback where I can. And if I need to, I'll exclude some stuff. But there are times when I have to say to them, I know you're self-conscious about it, but I think you look great in here. But then there's something genuine and I need you to trust me that this will work. In the case of, you've probably seen it, I don't know if um, you've seen it on Twitter again recently, but it's been getting a lot of likes again. I did a shoot with Jay Rubber Cub last year because we wanted to promote larger sizes, larger people yeah. in the kink scene and in the rubber scene. And we did a photo shoot with him of him in his full rubber outfit. And he's he posted those pictures last year, but they're still getting likes and comments. There was a whole new conversation Fred started last week about why why don't kink companies sell to larger bodied men? Because again, that but it was just that photo was just stirring people's conversation again. And again, that just proves how we did one photo shoot. We did one afternoon's photos. But those pictures are still being discussed and still being talked about and still inspiring people and saying to them, hey, I'm big, but I'm still valid and I can still be kinky. And so for me, there's that almost activism with the camera mentality as well of saying, I have I can use the camera to have something to say. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that kind of really comes into the next point 
like that I wanted to talk about, which is like breaking apart the stereotypical shoots, because we talked about a lot in the past, like uh, on this show about how the image of the fetish scene was very much controlled by a couple of companies and like a couple of organizations and not because they particularly wanted to control things, but they had cameras and there's some, a couple of very prominent photographers who have a particular look and everyone just fell in with that look because that look is sultry and that look is horny. And the whole leather scene ended up with the meerkat pulled over their eyes, grouchy face and cigar. That to, to a lot of guys is almost a protective like a self-protection mechanism where, yeah, they're, they're able to be the Leatherman, like, trademark. Like, that, that like, Leatherman, rather than show the real selves. And what I really yeah. like in the last few years is we've had this real push to break apart that idea of what a fetish photography looks like and then oh, everyone's flyers suddenly, instead of having one guy in leather or a close-up of a leather crotch on the flyer, it's like, okay, these events have something interesting going on. I mean, yeah, absolutely. The the biggest thing, I think, for the issue of stereotypicalness, like going back to, as you say, the kind of trademark leather man, whether that be harking back to Tom of Finland, or even when you look back to the 80s and 90s, when, as you put it, you say a couple of big companies, but... I think of it more as a couple of big publications when you had these gay men's magazines that would be circulated or sent to people's homes on a subscription basis. They would have certain guys on their covers or certain, what's the word, not hot sheets. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a straight person. What's the thing that the female magazines all have for the men, the, the fold outs and things? I can't. Oh, pin up, <laughs> yeah. pin up. Oh, centerfold. Yeah, the centerfold yeah, center and the pin up photos. They would have that for the gay guys in these magazines. Like I'm thinking of things like the drummer magazine and the stuff that was being shot for Colt and stuff like that. All these big gold gym and all those classic yeah. gay magazines magazines and publications that would have that very specific as you put it very specific aesthetic of what a gay man looks like and i think it is great that we are getting to a point now with the kind of democratization of of our scene more and more is saying look you can be big you can be skinny you can be muscular you can be twinky you can be trans you can be black you can be asian you can be you can be female because again we're speaking mostly as gay men i'm open to shooting with females i i wouldn't say no and uh, yeah it's just saying that all these people are valid and welcome and that we we don't kink again for me it's that big thing of we don't kink shame i think there's that concern that certain companies and marketing is still very niche in what it portrays but i'm hopeful that as those of us who are coming up as the new generation of fetish photographers that we're pushing new styles we're trying new things and we're trying to portray what the modern kink scene looks like i think that's the big thing for me is i like to say one of the other things i like to say is i want to portray kink with a smile i want to portray fetish with laughter i don't mind doing the classic stereotypical moody 
dark shadows abandoned warehouse vibe but personally i'm fucking sick of it and bored of it <laughs> and i want big vibrant colors and almost like us almost like what silver does in his artwork i want color i want vibrancy i want people to be looking like they're having the time of their fucking lives and i that's the big thing that i want to do in my shots is making and showing that this is something where you can have fun yes you can be serious yes you can look like the stern leather master or the submissive scared little gimp dog or whatever but there are times when i just want to show look these are real people having fun socializing or just loving each other and having fun in 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 the moment and i think that at least from the feedback i get people say oh i love how bright and colorful this stuff is and it's yeah why not why can't it be why does it have to be in all the and again i might go on a rant here why is it in all these fetish photography festivals and things is it always the dark moody black and white stuff that gets submitted and nominated i want to see a broader category of photography recognized because i think that we're just in those cases we're just perpetuating that particular stereotype more and not recognizing that there is a new generation whether it be again i've worked with people of all ages i've worked with 50 year old leather guys and, and an 18 year old pup and to 18 year old pups who are like just learning what fetish is for the first time i just as i say my approach is just to try and show genuine people enjoying fetish enjoying their lifestyle and trying to then post it in a way that says this is not something to be afraid of this is not something that has to be intimidating or has to be something that only happens in those dark back alleys. We can do it, not do it anywhere. Obviously, there's laws. So that feeling of you can do it in your home, you can do it in a, you just, ha again, just have fun. And that's the thing I, I like doing with the, some of the fetish photography again buster is a great example this, he's just fun to collab with of course we ran out and did that shoot before lockdown in london where we just ran around for a morning with you in rubber just dicking about in piccadilly circus yeah i'm gonna let you two speak because that's that for me is a big point on there that i wanted to say is yeah that's how we break apart the stereotypical shoot for me is just going out there and photographing in different styles and trying to for me it's about just being making genuine people i'm not got a problem with working with porn actors and if someone wants to hire me for an only fans content blair shoot i'll take the money and i will do that shoot i don't have a problem with that it's for me it is a profession and i will do a job but when i'm what i'm trying to do and what my mission is in being a kink photographer and being a member of this community is i want to take my camera and be like okay we are kingsters and we exist and we have been here and we will always be here but we're not your, your we're not your daddy's kinksters anymore we've become more fun more colorful less serious at times and we are a community and oh, it's about expressing and showing that yeah. community i do feel i should say there like we talked about not knowing the past and being cut off from the past one of the things i am learning like talking to older leathermen is there have always been the fun out there outrage camp nonsense leathermen who are just amazing but they're never the ones that get remembered because the only imagery that we have is 
mostly the commercialized used one of the scowling shadowy leather man. Yeah, and I, I think to some degree it was just bluff really dominated that, that vision of and putting out what the leather man was. And I sat down and I talked to Nigel about it at some length when I was in my title year because like mm-hmm. one of my commitments in my title year was to blast this apart. And he went, yeah, but we don't want to be, we never asked to be this leader. Like just people took our idea and started doing it. And what we're doing is just bluff, like the image of bluff, which is boots, leather, uniform, fan club. So therefore there are boots, leathers and uniforms. And there is a uniformity to those photos because that's part of what the club is. What then there's the issue is that then when people, when there's a lack of other kind of stuff being circulated and other ideas coming up in the scene that then ends up being a uniformity for the entire fetish scene which is absolutely not what they intend and Nigel had as much of a problem with that as anyone else did I find it really what I would say about get out and do it if you want to see something different in the Mm. kink scene get out there and do it I have no problem with bluff and I think that there is a kink style I'm the same when it comes to rubber gimps and rubber people the head-to-toe rubber look is fucking sexy and I wouldn't change that for the world and bluff is fine there is I'm still also always impressed at the full head-to-toe leather man in his Wesco's and jacket and trousers and waistcoat and meerkat it's a cool look don't get me wrong and it's a classic look that again harkens all the way back to the 50s and 40s and is part of our history and i like to see traditions kept alive where it's appropriate but again who's wearing that that's where i would say you can shake things up is you can keep the uniform and you can keep the aesthetic but who's wearing that uniform is it a 50 year old cis white male or are we giving oxygen to a a larger, younger man, or maybe a, a trans male, like taking the Jack Thompson IML? It's about who are we who are we putting in that outfit, and who are we who are we giving that megaphone to? Yeah, I yeah, think that's a great point. Yeah, I think that you, you have to be very conscious about one of those things with the titles is the titles so often default to the giants of the scene rather than if you're going to have something the way you're competing for something, you should give it probably to the person with the smallest idea, the biggest idea and the least the least influence in the scene almost, unless you're giving it as a reward. And it's just like, how do we share and try and get people from from as many walks of life and give people that that celebrate the diversity of the community mm-hmm. but diversity is not often very comfortable for white gay men as we talked about earlier like actually we have a tendency to pull up the ladder and actually when anyone's established themselves as a as a thought leader in the scene to then hand over that leadership to somebody else is very difficult. Yeah, and I think the other thing we have to be conscious of, and I'm trying to do this myself because I'm afraid of making that mistake, is trying not to tokenism people either. We saw the 
issue that happened with Club Alert earlier in this year when they were really keen to promote a, a black and minority member of the community, but they kept publishing photos of that gentleman who had already told them he didn't want those photos published mm-hmm. and they had to retract them because, and he felt like he was being used as the token black guy. And I think that's something we have to also be conscious of is that we don't, and I certainly am trying to do that with my photography because it is hard. I'm mostly most of my friends circle is a certain group of people. I try to encourage people to share my work and to be and the websites there for anyone to to submit and ask for shoots. But of course, as, as is reality, the people in my sphere are going to be the people most likely who see and work with me. But I try to push that sphere wider, but there's a, I can only do so much. But But I think that's another thing is just making sure that we're conscious that we don't tokenize people or individuals or groups and be like, because I think that was one of the things for me about titles. I'm considering running for a title again myself. But one of the reasons I haven't run for a title in the last few years is I was wanting to give that space on stage to less visible members of the community, whether they be trans or black or female. And one of my friends said to me, that's great and all, but but maybe they aren't, but you might be the best person for the role. And aren't you then tokenizing the title by trying to make the title elect someone just because of who they are and not what they are and back on that actually like sometimes you need to really push and be token i remember sandy used to say about recon like people used to say is is recon just using you as like the token black guy and he's just yeah but i am the token black guy i'm like one of four black guys on the in the fetish scene so somebody's got to stand up and somebody's got to have this effect i remember recon did this event in San Francisco and they made a decision to use a Japanese model for the photo. And there mm-hmm. was talk about how this like this this Asian guy came up and just went, Wait, uh, are we welcome here? And it went No, yeah. I remember and that. Sandy I remember like, that yeah. story. Yeah. No, but I remember then, that story being the, the, told, I think on yeah, there's yeah, a short story for the listeners. Like he came yeah, back with all of his friends in full gear, and they had been excluded from the local scene. But when Recon showed up, and they were like making an effort to be as out there as possible, what they say, what you say with that is not just oh, we put a trans man in every photo that we have, or we put an Asian guy in every photo we have in a really racist country. It's we celebrate difference. We want to see people who are different. And actually tokenism, providing it's consensual, can be a really yes, that's the that's key. The that key. was the key I was, go- that was, the key I was going for with what I was saying. Yeah. was that it's about making sure that the individuals consent and that you have the consent of that community that's what i was saying is i don't want to just go to some of my friends and be like you're the 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 guy i know who is that so i want to use you in a photo shoot because you're that yeah but that's where we have to be careful not to do that but i take your point absolutely sandy but and that's the point sandy would say i am the token black guy but he knew it and he was he knew what his mission there was to do he played that part and I'm not, but I'm not trying to force anyone to play that part if they don't mm. want to, and that's the, what I was yeah. trying to make a point of saying. For sure, for sure. I think one of the the other things as well is like that mentality of going, "Oh, I want to do a photo shoot with a larger guy," whereas like it could be, "Hey, I want to do a photo shoot with this person because he has a great mm. vibe." 
And if you, all the people that you think have a great vibe are white, rich, gay men, and that's all that comes to mind, it should prompt a reflection in oneself to say, actually, what vibes am I getting? Am I restricting myself? And am I getting... Uh, like everyone else is putting out good vibes, but I'm just not receiving it. I'm not valuing other people in my community. So we do have more listener questions before we move on. Go for it. Yeah. So the next batch of questions, it's actually three. And that was from another patron of ours by Brian. Yeah. So th- yes, he's a wonderful boot black as well. We swapped so many tips. He's great. <laughs> but yes, his first question is, when doing events or parties, how do you manage consent of your subjects to be photographed? So obviously events and parties, and I'm, referring, I'm guessing he's referring to kink party events at a venue or maybe a house party. In those cases, it partly depends on the event. So obviously some events will restrict photographer to, on, to, only, official, to an, only an official photographer, perhaps. So if I was an official photographer, like when Recon used to have Raff and Way or Matt Spike or someone would go and do shoots, maybe they have a sign on the door that says, if you enter this venue, you consent to be photographed. I'm not as big a fan of that myself. I prefer a more of a traffic light system, something that Quincy has come up with when at the Reading fetish social which i really like is he would offer like little bands or lanyards that people could put on or wrap around their wrist or whatever just somewhere visible and as a photographer who goes to that event and takes pictures of that event i actually really like this system because he has three settings first of all if you don't have a lanyard you've you're open to the pictures if you have a yellow lanyard it's can you please take photos not of my face or if it is my face i'm hooded so that would be actually me normally would be don't take my photo unless I'm in my pup hood because I don't want my public face to be visible and then the red one is I just don't want to be photographed or I don't want my don't want to be seen at all maybe because they're someone who doesn't have a mask to put on and they don't want their face to be seen and so what I do with those is either I try to frame them out of photos or maybe you take the picture from behind so Mm. that you only have the back of their head and so you there's no identifiable features and in a few cases if you have to be polite and say, I want to take a photo of this group of people. Do you mind if I have you step aside just slightly out of this shot? And you have to be careful about that because I actually made a mistake of doing that once at an event in Manchester and the event organizer came back to me and said, oh, we had a couple of people complain about you that you told them to move out of the way of a photo and they felt like you were trying to exclude them. And that wasn't the intention at all. It was just I wanted a clean background for the photo. If they yeah. had then said, "Hey, can I have? Our, can we have our photo too?" I would have said absolutely and done it. It's just I was taking a group of a photograph of a group of people, and they weren't part of that particular group. And I was just wanting to make sure they weren't unintentionally in the yeah. background being photographed without being consent. photographed. But it came across, unfortunately, in that case as someone felt excluded, and I felt terrible. And I told the organizer to send my apologies and explain mm. my actions. But I and I've but I but it's but for me that was a very important lesson to be careful when you do that where I had the best of intentions, but the communication in that circumstance was wrong, and it left out those individuals feeling hurt. But I really like that idea of having some sort of system, a bit like a traffic light system, where yeah, you may or if it's not possible, I often will go around and like when I was at Darklands, for example, I will often just go around and hold the camera up or 
like motion back and forth with my finger being like, do you want a picture or pit? I sometimes do the whole little picture. And if they want it, then they'll normally stop and stand or gesture or whatever. But that's the other way. It's just going up to people and just being like, hey, do you mind if I take a picture? It takes, what, five seconds to, to check. Like, I do think there is definitely something to, as we started with the signs on the door saying, just be aware there will be a photographer about. Because to a certain degree, when you're going to a large public event, it's good to expect your photo probably will be taken. At the same time, that's no excuse not to take steps to make sure people are, like, obviously, not everyone is in a safe position where the fact that they have a kinky life can get out. So, yeah, taking those extra steps, like the wristbands, just to, like, affirm consent and or, in the opposite case, guide you away so they're not in the shot, that's a really good system. I just want to jump in there pretty quickly. When you talk, Craig, about the idea of like large-scale events or public events and things like that, one of the things I've learned from a very well-respected street photographer who in my professional life I have a working relationship with, Mm -hmm. he has explained to me how street photography works in the eyes of the law. And that is you when you are in public... And this, you have an expect, you you lose an expectation of privacy. It's this weird way the law interprets it, where it says, if you go out in a public street and you're photographed in a public street, should you be upset that you were photographed in public wearing something that everyone on the street can see? So there's this system in street photography called the expectation of privacy. Mm -hmm. So if you are photographed in the public street, like if you're walking down the middle of Old Compton Street in Soho in full leather and some random photographer photographs you in that full leather and publishes that photo, you can try and argue that that it's your that you've you don't want that picture published and that you it distracts from your private life or whatever but there's a system that says you're in public anyway everyone can see you in that gear if someone had taken that photo in your garden that's where the law says no you have an expectation of privacy there and yeah. that is not allowed and there is a bit of that to be called upon but i agree completely that kink events especially behind closed doors like when recon hosts full fellowship fire or when we do private higher events where generally the only people coming through the doors are the people who want to be there and have paid to be there or however it is that we've signed them up yes i think you respect people's privacy because that is meant to be a safe space for them to be kinky without the judgment of their peers but if you yeah. are marching down the middle of Soho in full leather, shouting and screaming, and someone takes your photo, and then you have a, an issue with that, I'm sorry, but the law says you're at a public place. You do not have the full. You do not have the expectation of being in private. In private. Yeah. So, yeah. and so, sorry, I'm gonna because. I, when I was going to jump in before, it was almost with the exact same point. They go, actually, we've seen enough cases from like the guy that went to the hoist and the Daily Mail were following him and took loads of photos. If you, no matter where you are, whether you're at a private, like whether you're at a sex party in a club, like if you're not in somebody's home, or sometimes if you are in somebody's home, you should always assume if you're right at the edge of what you can get away with in life that you should assume that somebody has a camera there and they're going to publish that picture 
and it's it's not a nice thing to say they historically and right up to now gay men and queer people in general cannot trust that their sex lives will not be scandalized so if you're in a club if you're wearing a pup hood and like for me i have really recognizable tattoos and Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially it came to breaking point working in the healthcare system where i was like i will not i deleted my twitter i'd like closed everything off and siloed everything for enough years and there came to a point where i was like i refuse to cover up who i am in the healthcare system anymore so it's like now my work twitter is like me in a gear london t-shirt with a muir cap and aviators and like braces and yeah and i put these like strong statements going if you have a problem with your healthcare provider being visibly queer that's a you problem not a me problem stay out of my dms like just like being inflammatory because that's who i am but you have to be able to if you've got skeletons in your closet you have to take steps if you're in a sex club and you can't be seen in that sex club you should be wearing a gimp hood or a pop hood because you never know where the Daily Mail is. And they will use that Ugh, for everything. Terrifying idea. Yeah. The Daily do Mail. You know where, the... Do you know where your Daily Mail is lurking? <laughs> <laughs> Although I do always love that story that Steph at Bishopsgate tells about the, the article about the sex party orgy that then... The next day, they the, the organizers said it was the best publicity they ever had because so many people then went, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I, I think that was the same the same thing we were just talking about when the Daily yeah. Mail came for somebody, but they ruined his life. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, sure, it's great for the sex club, but it's not great for him. But this is the nature of being, what I was saying earlier about, like, People say they support sexuality and they wave a a little pride flag, but they don't give a shit. They'll hang you out to dry if it gets them clicks or if it gets them new. It doesn't even need to be a newspaper. It just needs to be some (laughs) gossip TikToker who wants to get more attention, even though they're not getting paid for it. It could be some random twink kinkster who gets a little bit snap happy and puts your stuff online because they were just taking photos or well, it's the same as if you send dick pics to somebody with your face involved, you can guarantee that if you are somebody public, that will end up on everything. And quite to some degree, rightly when politicians are sending dick pics, <laughs> the lady G, I think the phrase is mm-hmm. that actually that should come out, but it's you have to make steps to protect yourself if you are at risk in some degree we're all at risk absolutely but i think that as a community we should be respectful of each other and recognize that it is a risk that we share and as i say as someone who would put myself in the generally likes to be photographed masked category i can sympathize with people and that's why i work hard personally to try and make sure that I only publish stuff that people want to see. Obviously, when you're in a, it depends on the shot. If you're in a, if you're doing a wide shot of with a whole hunt, bunch of people, and the person is barely visible at the back of the bar, I think you're going to get away with that. But if it's a full, full like front and center shot, that's different. But uh, yeah. but again, it's I think obviously 
when it comes to cameras, as I say, the, the mobile phone makes cameras more ubiquitous than ever. And so it's not me you have to worry about. It's the guy, as you say, who just decides to take a quick selfie in, and you're accidentally yeah. in the background. It's, so it's not going to be, it's probably not going to be me who's going to cause you that anguish because I always want to try and make sure that I don't have someone in my background yeah. because I'm a blooming perfectionist idiot who is, I do art. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a great place to jump to the next question, which is the flip side of the coin of when people really want their photographs. So Brian also asks, when doing larger events, how do you organize your files and contact info so that those in photos can get their images? It depends on the situation that you're doing. When I go to Darklands, I do two different shoots at Darklands. I have an, a, an official capacity that I go to Darklands where I'm the official photographer for the European Puppy and Handler Contest. And so I'm doing a whole bunch of photos of the contestants, the judging, and then a bunch of the photos of what's going on the stage oh and the ceremony. That stuff is one part of Darklands for me that I do. And then the other part of Darklands, which is where this question would be more relevant, is when I do my open house photography sessions, mm -hmm. where I often will just set up my camera and flash somewhere on the ubiquitous cranes of Antwerp ah, yes. and be like, anybody is welcome to rock up and have their photos. So again, for me, that's me putting my philosophy in practice of anyone can just walk up to me and be like, I'd like a photo. And I'm like, sure, come step in front of the camera. I'm not like, I don't know who you are or I don't like what you wear. No, if someone comes up to me and is, I feel confident enough to stand in front of that camera and be photographed by you, please come up and be photographed. And so what happens in those cases is what I do so far is I either give them my details, whether it be my Twitter or my Telegram or a phone number or email or something, or I just direct them to the website. So there's that aspect. Or sometimes they'll give me their details and we'll follow each other on Twitter or something. But with the Dark Ones photos, what I do for that is I put them all together in a giant Google Drive folder. And then I just share the link around and tell people, here's all those photos in a in, to be distributed and, and so people can see them. If it was more of a... So in the case of like when Buster came to Fetish Week London and a whole bunch of people were having individual photos taken that shoot some of those people had stuff they didn't want other people to be to see and so some people would have images sent to them privately through a system like we transfer or just sent yeah. uncompressed through telegram but it depends one of the things i do in my professional work life and i haven't done it in a, i haven't done it at a kink event yet but maybe one day i will but it is a lot of work is you literally just have a, an ipad or a form or a sheet of paper and you just have you just as the photo shoots go on in the chronological order, you just have people write their name and details so that as you go through those photos afterwards in the edit, in chronological order as well, who's who, because you have that order of number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven. And and what we do in our in what I've done in my professional life is we'll literally have a hundred names on a list, email address, and you just go through those headshots. Because this is often when I'm doing headshots of people, corporate headshots. And you just find that name on the list and go, this is the 100th person and here's that 100th name and email address and you just write it off and send it off. So it depends on the event and what you're doing, but th those are ways that you can do it. Those are ways I have done it in various mm -hmm. amateur and professional capacities. Nice. 
I think that's pretty comprehensive. So the last question we have is, how do you manage lighting in situations where a flash may disrupt a scene? I must say, there's not a question I've ever had before, and it's not a situation in kink that I've had to worry about yet. It is an issue, again, I've had in my professional life when, say, there's a film crew or someone is filming something and my flash would go off and be picked up by the video camera. In those cases, it's either you have to just turn up the ISO on the camera. And for those who don't know, the ISO is basically one of the ways on the camera you add extra light into the sensor but that often creates grain or noise as we call it that's why sometimes if you look at certain photos from nightclubs or late night stuff the pictures look very as we say grainy or noisy and there's a lot of the dust is crisp that'll be the fact that someone's shot with a very high iso and because again you're trying to compensate for the fact there's low light but it depends on the scene if you can find somewhere where you can get enough light into the camera then yeah a flash isn't always necessary i sometimes like a flash because it allows you to get people's eyes and other facial features in a pleasing way if you've got really harsh sunlight and it's causing a fucking terrible massive black shadow across people's chins or face or there's or their nose or something you want to get rid of that and that's where where normally we would use a flash to counteract that shadow and try to even out the facial features in this case i don't know if they're referring to the fact that maybe someone is in the middle of a scene and doesn't want to be distracted by the flash a part of me would say i guess it depends on the scene because i've definitely like we were taking the example earlier of buster and tuco in the middle of doing intimate loop blacking headspace and the flash was going off all the time and it wasn't affecting the situation but where i can you'd want to know about that in advance so when it comes to managing situations where the flash might disrupt scene, you'd want to know that in advance. And if you can scout a location where you can get enough light into the room naturally, whether that be just turning on the lights or bringing a, an LED, I don't really, I don't think I have one of these, those kind of like big LED light panels or ring yeah. lights. It's about bringing something else that can, so that you're not having a constant flash that goes off but having a more constant light source so there are Um, other ways to light the scene besides a harsh flash yes but it depends on again yeah i prefer to use a flash and often with a softbox because um that way the the light is diffused and you have softer shadows but that's a personal preference but if i had to and in some cases where i've had to for other reasons not use a flash it's normally trying to light the scene either naturally or with with a constant light source like an led light light panel or yeah. something basically the stuff that the film crews are using to light their yeah. light their shots so i think that's pretty thoroughly answered all the other questions we had written in mm-hmm. so snap thank you for coming on so obviously we've talked at great length about you doing people's like fetish photography portraiture profile photos so if people want to book with you, where can they find you? It's easy to get in touch with me on my website, which is just pupsnap.net. So the portfolios are there. So a bunch of example images are available from events, outdoor and indoor photography. And then there's a contact me form section there where you can fill in details and it will send me a little email and I can reach out to you. Otherwise, as my Twitter at pupsnapuk, which I also can be reached out at and it's also where you often will see me posting 
the latest of my photography because screw Instagram. I hate Facebook. They don't support youngsters. So no, thank you. I'm not even going to bother. So I'm mostly for now, I'm a Twitter person, but I have my website for backup should the unforeseen happen one day and Good. we will be booted from the twitter sphere <laughs> i do always advise people even if it's just to auto copy what you post on social media having your own web space is very good especially for photographies and professionals and yeah absolutely for woof.group the Macedon <laughs> server where craig and i yes. hang out all the time I do actually have one, thanks to Craig. I keep being terrible and forgetting to use it. In fact, I had an app for it on my iPhone, but it won't let me log in. It keeps shutting down. So I'm trying to find Uh, a way to get back into it. But but yeah, I have one. And again, I think I'm on there as PupSnap. If anybody is on there and doesn't already follow me, you can find me through yourselves. But yeah, I I do have that as well as a backup. Although I must confess, I've not posted on it recently because I keep forgetting to because I'm terrible at doing multiple social media at once. It is tough. Like, I am swimming in social media profiles, and I'm really struggling to find a way to slim it all down. Yeah, I I have five different Twitter accounts from everything from the most vanilla, boring stuff to, well, this. (laughs) Yeah. Remember that if if you are not paying for a product, you are the product. Mm Mm-hmm. This has oh. been your PSA to delete things of which you are not getting value from because yes. they're getting value from you, even yes. if you really don't like that. I, I think, again, as was referring to earlier, just very briefly on that point, I think it's also a reminder that we as kinky creators, we have to be fighting for our space and our right to be there. I often, as a final point, I often find it very funny how we have these discussions about what is acceptable or not acceptable on social media, yet I can walk into an art gallery in the middle of central London or Paris and there is full-fledged nudity on display in photos or in a painting and nobody bats an eyelid. Interesting. The, French, like <laughs> paint me French. like one of your French girls. Yeah. But yeah, that just that that whole that whole situation also infuriates me sometimes because there's that I'm trying to figure the right word, but I it's eluding my mind with I'm tired and it's been a long time chat. But yeah, um I think that's also a, a point to make. But yeah, no, I've really appreciated coming on. It's been really great to chat and discuss kink photography and just kinky kinky life in general. I know it's funny, we've probably barely discussed actual kinks or sex or anything but it's Mm -hmm. been really good to have i think an important discussion about the kind of wider scene and also what i do and what other great photographers out there on the scene also do please tip your photographers and if you are getting stuff for free for people give them love give them appreciation especially those who are new to the scene if there's a new photographer in your local area that's trying to build a profile or is in a, and is trying to do good work do support them we need more people like that in our community and we shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be uh, stopping them from potentially becoming the next great person yeah i think that's a great point speaking of tipping if you liked what you heard and want to hear more we we also have a bonus episode out this month please sign up to our patreon at kinky boys pod www.patreon.com forward slash kinky boys pod thank you and as always listeners play safe